All right. So, how do we want to begin the thing? Yeah, <laughs> right? the that... Should we should we do like a hello and welcome kind of thing? Or... Probably. Um, yeah. Hello and welcome to Super Duperstitious, the podcast about the mysterious, strange, paranormal, whatever you may think of, uh, from a couple of scientists who find it interesting. A couple of, uh, yeah, a couple of guys to bring it to you. Oh no. <laughs> My brain doesn't <laughs> this work is so tonight. hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Wyatt. I'm Jake. And we're looking forward to talking to you guys about things paranormal, things strange, and things sort of supernatural in the natural world. Exactly. Yes. Our whole aim is to bring a more sort of skeptical, scientific approach to otherwise easily... What would you say, Jake? This is the weird stuff. It's the weird stuff, and uh, oftentimes in different shows or things we do enjoy watching, listening to, whatever may be the case... The, um, the kind of whole entry point is that these things are being taken for granted, that they are definitely real. They're and, absolutely real. And, and I think that they're exactly. definitely fun to think about, but that does take away some of the interest in trying to understand what might be going on. Exactly. What's you, actually happening here? Yeah. Look at it from a more... Uh, Objective perspective. Yes. Jake and I both really enjoy the stories behind these phenomena, but we also enjoy figuring, so, figuring shit out. Yeah. In a, in a scientific manner. So let's talk a little bit about who we are, what our deal is, um, and uh, maybe give you some idea of whether or not we have any credibility as people to talk about this stuff. Jake, who are you? I'm Jake. I um, I got my degree in biology and my master's then in zoology, um, studying mostly insect stuff, a lot of behavioral things. Um, and I've always been interested in science in general and the natural world particularly, and um, ever since I was a little kid, I always loved the you know the idea of cryptozoology and all these weird mm-hmm. monsters that might be out there. Mm-hmm. Mostly from the point of view of wanting to, to go out and discover this stuff and find out what is this thing? Is it real and what is it actually in real life? And right. uh, just always being fascinated by that kind of aspect of it. Wyatt. So similar background for myself: bachelor's degree in biology. Currently working on a PhD. Big mm-hmm. big Mister Fancy <laughs> Pants over here in uh, integrative and organismal biology and um yeah similar background always have loved being in nature and learning about nature and so supernatural phenomena have just captivated me from a young age on and have always had a certain place in my heart for enjoying the spooks enjoying the weird and um yeah it's uh never left me despite the uh scientific rigors yeah and so the idea for this show then is to talk about these different weird phenomena people report Talk about cool stories and then try and discuss what may be real explanations for what these things actually are. Whether it's trying to debunk a thing or just to find an explanation or better understand what's going on. Exactly. And yet at the same time, we hope to uh, preserve the fun of the story and sort of enjoy the thrill of what makes them spooky, what makes them, you know, strange and captivating. Even if it is easily debunked, I think there's sort of a natural human enjoyment of things on yeah, one of the most fun parts about this stuff is the just the fun of a scary story. Exactly. And even if the story turns out not to be true, it's still a good scary story. Exactly. And so uh, that's where we're going to be looking. That's that's the uh, that's the direction we're going to be approaching this stuff. Yeah. So hold on to your butts, mm, girl. <laughs> girl. <laughs> so going forward with this show, we will discuss all different manner of mysterious things around the world, not just cryptozoology. We're mostly starting with that because we have biology backgrounds. Right. But uh, we'll also get into 
spooky things. We're talking ghosts, UFOs. We're also talking about unexplainable, seemingly natural phenomena. Um, the bloop. Uh, I know other cool stuff like that. Anything you bloop, can think of that is. is strange and kind of outside of the realm of normal, normal explanation. We want to look at that. Exactly. And so to begin with today, we figure we will start with um, yeah, start with cryptozoology, and we will begin with telling you about each of our favorite cryptids. Right. Um, and so... Why? You want to kick it off? Yeah, absolutely. So, personal favorite cryptid is your boy Sasquatch, the, uh, the Bigfoot, the Yeti. Here come that boy. Here come that boy. Oh shit, say. what up? <laughs> Tell me more. So, what we're talking about, if you somehow have not heard of Sasquatch or Bigfoot before... Stop is, listening to the show. Yeah, please tune off, tune out, switch off. If you're not interested in this kind of stuff, what are you even doing here? Get get out there and go read a book. God damn it. So, we're talking about a big, hairy, ape-like creature that roams the woods at least of North America, though there are accounts of such creatures um, in many cultures around the world. Uh, which from an early age on for myself really kind of captivated me because it was sort of like a monster story like this the spooky aspects really sucked me right in and the fact that it seemed to be this thing that was almost sort of corroborated through cultures um you know it just it seemed like it could be real to me like there could be this thing out there in the dark, in the woods, and as someone who really loves to be outside, who really enjoys like camping and hiking, that kind of boogeyman factor just infected me absolutely. So yeah, it's kind of everyone's entry level into the world of this kind of stuff. It's the first thing you probably heard of. Everyone's seen maybe you know the the Patterson Gimlin footage. That's the right, old exactly. shaky footage of the of the Bigfoot walking away and looking over his shoulder at the camera. Right. Um, it's a pretty good common touchstone for everyone. Exactly. And, uh, and yeah, the fact that it's so widespread a phenomenon is part of what makes it so cool. It's it's kind of there's a different version of it everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think there is a certain degree of everyone kind of likes to look for something going bump in the night. There's sort of a natural tendency, I think, too, to um, paint paint what you experience with the brush of what you expect. So I'm sh- sure that many quote-unquote Sasquatch or Bigfoot sightings are absolutely people who have had, let's say, brief hysterical moments in the woods, and they just convince themselves after the fact that, oh my god, I saw this thing that I've been thinking about forever. But And certainly if you have, um, we'll talk a little bit about this later on when we get to my creepy thing. Oh yeah. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about how when you have a certain um, idea in your head, a certain image in particular, that can really color your experiences going forward. So um, if you have or if you have a particular image in mind of something you might expect to see, then you see something you don't understand, you can then fill in the blanks, and that can be pretty uh, effective. Pretty effective indeed, mm. um, which is part of the reason I enjoy the story that I've brought to the table today so very much. Lay it on me. So this is the sworn affidavit Ooh. of one William Rowe who was a sort of trapper-hunter type who enjoyed to be in the outdoors. He considered himself something of, like... Well, I guess he might call himself a citizen scientist today. Mm. At the time, he was just sort of an amateur naturalist by his own description. The but time, th- you say? What, uh, where would, what are we talking? We're talking 1955 is when he had this experience, and then he, he 
told his account in this sworn affidavit, which if you don't know is, oh, <laughs> I can hear. I I'm hearing Mike bumping. Yeah, shoot, my bad. Let me uh, adjust myself. Do you want me to adjust the boom in a different you know, way? Just like, you can pop that right over the thing. Oh, bingo! Like, me. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I should have warned you about that. Part. <laughs> I just got punched in the ears. Oh boy! By sound. <laughs> but also, uh, hitting the bottom is part of the problem too. Yeah. Sorry about that. Let me hitting it with your big old uh, big old dick. <laughs> my man parts all the ladies and some of the men scream give me more of that we're keeping this in right i think so um so <laughs> uh where was i so he opens a sworn affidavit to record his tale two years after it happens and that's part of the reason i like this story so much is just whatever this person experienced it was enough of something that they felt they needed to have a sort of legally vetted article of report I am, uh, I'm how you say, in Tregwade. Indeed. And so, something else that I enjoy about this account is William's ability to provide very objective details about what he experiences. Hmm. Um, you know, there are many, many Sasquatch accounts out there in the world, which, you know, a quick Google search and you'll dig up hundreds. Um, if you go to, like, BFRO, which is the B uh, Bigfoot Research Organization, you'll ha you'll have just ages of up you know current accounts and historical records but many of them boil down to you know i think i saw something off the side of the road some strange creature was moving in the distance didn't really get a good look but hey who knows it could be bigfoot where william has a very very close encounter but his descriptions read almost more like uh jane goodall or something like this Ooh. Where he's just literally describing what he sees, and I really appreciate that as well. I am excited for this one. I I don't know anything about the story, so this is cool. And so, I'll uh, get right into it. Some summary details. Uh, William was working on a highway construction job when he decides to take a long hike up Micah Mountain to an old mine as sort of a fun day trip. Hiking up Micah Mountain. Hiking gonna up Micah Mountain. Hike mountain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is in Alberta, Canada, by the way. And so he gets a good ways up when he sees what he thinks is a grizzly bear about 75 meters away. Um, and he thinks it's a grizzly bear because he had hunted them previously in this area, uh, you know, in years past or something like this. Thought that, oh, no, there's one I missed. He's like, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to get me another one. Now, he, he had his gun with him, but obviously he wasn't really going on a day hike to grab bear. So he's figuring he'll just sit there and watch the thing for a while. And so he sort of hunkers down and does exactly that but as he's watching he notices as the thing continues to move around and stand up that doesn't seem to be a bear at all so i'm going to read some of the account directly if that's cool can you do it in a silly voice don't Lee? do that don't actually oh, do that. <laughs> i was so ready okay. quote this to the best of my recollection is what the creature looked like and how it acted as it came across the clearing directly toward me my first impression was of a huge man, about six feet tall, almost three feet wide, and probably weighing somewhere near 300 pounds. He was covered from head to foot with dark brown, silver-tipped hair, but as it came closer, I saw by its breasts that it was female. A female with frosted tips. <laughs> now, that was ahead of her time, because this is the 50s, you said, right? Exactly. So, <laughs> very, very <laughs> trendy Sasquatch in the woods. Um, and here is a doodle. Do it. 
This was that Sasquatch had such big boobs. She she was looking pretty good, dude. Do it. Although the face is really really off-putting. The face, yeah, <laughs> kind of looks like if uh, Pac-Man got stuffed inside of an alligator skin. And then tried to do the Heath Ledger Joker thing afterwards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why so Sasquatch? <laughs> That's his line, right? So, and this is a doodle that was drawn, a doodle, an illustration drawn <laughs> by his daughter. It's in, like, crayon. It was, you can tell it's a cocktail napkin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He extremely drunkenly drew this picture. <laughs> so, I guess this could be put up on the site as well. Yeah, we'll probably, we'll try and link uh, any images we refer to, and we'll, we'll repeat this again later, too. Uh, we will put links in the description on the Facebook page for you to see it for yourselves. Its broad frame was straight from shoulder to hip. Its arms were much thicker than a man's arms and longer, reaching almost to its knees. Its feet were broader proportionately than a man's, about five inches wide at the front and tapering to much thinner heels. When it walked, it placed the heel of its foot down first, and I could see the gray-brown skin or hide on the soles of its feet. It came to the edge of the bush I was hiding in, within twenty feet of me, and squatted down on its haunches. Reaching out its hand, it pulled the branches of bushes toward it and stripped the leaves with its teeth. Its lips curled flexibly around the leaves as it ate. I was close enough to see that its teeth were white and even. The head was higher at the back than at the front. The nose was broad and flat. The lips and chin protruded further than its nose, but the hair that covered it, leaving bare only the parts of its face around the mouth, nose, and ears, made it resemble an animal as much as a human. None of this hair, even on the back of its head, was longer than an inch, and that on its face was much shorter. Its ears were shaped like a human's ears, but its eyes were small and black, like a bear's, and its neck was also unhuman, thicker and shorter than a man's had ever seen, than any man's I had ever seen, excuse me. You were kidding about the Jane Goodall description, like that is a, like that's what I would expect someone to describe if they were in the Congo somewhere. And, like, describing a gorilla they were seeing for the first time, it's, that is... It's almost clinical in the way it's just, like, here are the details. And the fact that it's so clinical helps make it... It sounds very legit. And, right. And, and he's describing... He's not saying he's seeing a Sasquatch. He's talking about an ape that he saw. Yes, like, this creature that he's run into. One thing I was really struck by is he's describing um, the heel-toe uh, step yes. kind of thing. Which is cool, because that's... Um, so, in... In the animal world, the way things walk, that's called plantigrade um, mm. way of walking. So there's a lot of animals are digitigrade walkers, like any of our pets. You see, like, they walk on their toes. Sort of tippy-toe. Yeah. And their heel is up in the air. Um, that's why birds look like they're walking with backwards knees. That's actually their heel. Their knee is mm -hmm. way up higher. Mm -hmm. um, and so most um, most animals on Earth walk digitigrade, so on their toes, on their digits. And then plantigrade is walking on the whole foot. And it's basically um, apes, bears, uh, raccoons, skunks, a few rodents, not really much else. Hmm. No um, kidding. Pretty much the only things that do that that I can think of. Sure. Um, so the fact that he pointed out specifically the idea that it was walking heel toe like that is a pretty cool, kind um, of a cool detail. Yeah. So those those fine details, along with the fact that he's recounting all this in a sworn affidavit, mm. just uh, really gives me you know, a thrill, basically. And I have just a little more to read, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, go for it. So, finally, the wild thing must have got my scent, for it looked directly at me through an opening in the bush. 
A look of amazement crossed its face. It looked so comical at the moment, I had to grin. Still in a crouched position, it backed up three or four short steps, then straightened up to its full height and started to walk rapidly back the way it had come. He goes on to describe that it makes these sort of half um, laugh, half uh, language sounds as it moves away, which I thought were very... uh, a sort of goofy detail, yeah. But also uh, another kind of exciting one because, along with the physical descriptions, the sort of gig- garbly, giggling, laughing talk noise is something that people who have purportedly experienced close encounters with this type of creature have also reported. I'm just picturing he sees the thing; it finally sees him. Does a cartoon double take? Yeah. And then what, he, what? And then his response is just to laugh at it. And then it goes away going. I don't know. That's the sort of that kind of Scooby-Doo noises as it walks away. I also enjoy the thought of him sitting in the bushes, just pointing and laughing at this creature yeah. and it walking away in shame. Like, yeah, it's like, oh. It, he didn't like my frosted tips. <laughs> so You'll see. 40 years from now, you'll see. Um, Also, I want to mention these excerpts are from uh, Abominable Snowmen, Legend Come to Life by Ivan T. Sanderson. Okay. And I got them offline. You got them offline? You go to the library? No, I got them off of the line. Oh, I see. (laughs) I went to the old internet pipes and uh, pulled a couple levers and out they they plopped right into my cup. Perfect. Drink them down and have them for you today. So that's awesome. That's, that's a, a very cool story. One of my favorite stories. I like that one. That that's I yeah. I'm amazed I'd never heard that one before because that's a really compelling account. Um, one thing the listeners maybe should know about us is that Wyatt and I have differing opinions about Sasquatch. Indeed. Um, and that opinion is that I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Jake doesn't buy it. I tentatively buy it. And I don't want to give it like a hard, like, oh, I definitely don't think it's real. It's just, for me, it's more of a matter of, um, I think there are a couple different factors here. One, I think about, um, you know, we are actively finding species we didn't know existed all the time. We accidentally stumble across these brand new things in the world. Whereas we have been actively trying to hunt down Sasquatch for such a long time. It seems like if if it were out there, we would probably find it. Right. Or at least find dead ones, roadkill, whatever, something right. somewhere. Absolutely. And we're not. So that's that makes me kind of suspect about it. Absolutely. Where's the beef? Exactly. Um, and then on top of that, there's the idea of just where apes live in the world in terms of just mm-hmm. dispersal patterns. So you have apes, great apes, live in Africa, just old worlds out there, in Africa and down into, um, all the way into Indonesia is where you have orangutans. So... Mm-hmm. And that's where I where I kind of get into the gray area. There is a chance then there could be an ape. You think about that dispersal pattern in like you know southern southern Asia, maybe in the Himalayas. So Certainly. I do hold out hope for um, yeti being a thing. Mm-hmm. That is a possibility. Um, but as far as um, the <laughs> you new, you might say there's yeti a chance. Oh god, uh, there's um... <laughs> the doors over here. Right? Okay. okay. I'll see you later, uh, I don't know why I have to show myself out. That's your joke. Um, the, <laughs> in the new world, there's um, we have a lot of monkeys. There's plenty of monkeys. There are no apes native to North and South Central America. Um, and so the idea of there being just this one species, I find a little bit uh, trickier to swallow as well. 
Well, yes, I hear that. I would wonder though if there aren't if there isn't perhaps a genus with many species that people are referring to collectively as Sasquatch. Sure. Perhaps. But I hear what you're saying, absolutely. How how could it come to be? And in the case of all this stuff, it's I would love for all of it to be real. Right. That's the cool thing. It's just this is one particular one where I was like, oh, I'm not so sure. It is very mm, consternating that they don't yet have conclusive evidence of its existence. Especially it with way. the invention of the smartphone. Now everyone has <laughs> yeah. an HD video recorder on their person at all times. Very true. Plus drone use. Plus, like you mentioned very well, Jake, that people have not you know people have been looking for this thing with some concerted effort for a while now i mean i think at least through bfro there have been at least you know probably about 15 or 20 years worth of annual searches all around north america to do just that to find some proof of sasquatch or you know whatever you'll call it and what they come back with most often is at best a recording an audio recording of you know, some sort of strange noise in the distance, which at the end of the day, you know. I'm just picturing that. What's that Animal Planet show? Or is it Animal Planet? The um, Bigfoot Hunters or Sasquatch Hunters? I think it's Sasquatch I Hunters. Think it's Sasquatch Hunters. And they every episode ends with them conclusively saying, yeah, well, we definitely, that was a good good show. We found everything we're yeah. hoping to find. And they <laughs> have nothing it. to show. We nailed it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. Or, or yeah, exactly. And it's, it's just like... <laughs> did you hear that that was a mating call that was a mating call of the sasquatch it's there it's real it's done we're done we did it the end pack it up boys pack it up and uh they'll also always have the you know mandatory nighttime uh night vision guys looking frightened of, <laughs> looking of... around in the camera like, what was that you what? hear that let's go from I there just saw something and then running there's always some there's a yeah, night vision running shot and I think every one of those specials there ever is. Exactly. And yeah, they always end with, uh, but next time we'll get them next time, (laughs) which is, yeah, a bit frustrating. It makes for good TV, but it also makes for boring TV once you've seen it. That, and it's the idea if the whole, uh, premise is, Oh, we're going to find Sasquatch this time. If you did find Sasquatch, um, and while shooting your show, we would probably already know before the show from BBC. Yeah. It would be coming out well in advance of the actual episode airing and you'd probably be you'd probably be trying to hype it up as much as possible saying oh here's the episode here's the footage of when we actually found it kind of like when we finally found like finally got footage of a live giant squid right Um, exactly got something else that we there were tales of it and then we were finding bodies of this thing you know that's the bottom of the friggin ocean that those things were coming from true and we still managed to find those washing up but when we finally did get footage of a live giant squid on camera it was um, news. It wasn't a TV show. Yeah, I was like, hey, this happened, and then it aired. Right, exactly. And I think as close as it's come with Sasquatch, it has been either local accounts that have made their way into the news that have basically boiled down to just high-profile first-person accounts, or I believe there was some press regarding hair samples that were collected. Some oh, sort of hair yeah. sample. I think that's back happened a couple times as well. A few like, times where in the Americas and also, or I guess more North America, but also I feel like there was some Yeti hair samples that yes. happened too, and some it seems to always come back inconclusive. inconclusive exactly. Yeah. There was one that they, I, I seem to recall it being 
intriguing to me what they found but the 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 sort of conclusion was that it was too inconclusive to even like work on but they said that it had uh, after genotyping fallen out somewhere between humans and other apes it was something sort of like a mishmash all across the board and i was like that's fun not certainly not from an angle of oh it's a transitional species between the two by any means but just that you might expect another large ape something like a jacanthopithecus to maybe share certain genetic traits with other members of mm, a very very broad clade let's say for those of you at home who aren't familiar gigantopithecus is a large species of extinct ape that used to live in western asia which actually fuels one of my favorite pet theories which is that or was on. it eastern asia mm, i can't remember I, which i asia. believe it was across the asia across the Pan-Asian. whole asia <laughs> all <laughs> of the asia the whole of asia <laughs> Um, but I, there, I do enjoy the Beringian land bridge theory. That that's the that's between Russia and uh, Alaska. Okay, cool. Which I believe Sarah oh, Palin still has Strait. access to. Okay, sorry, I just I just figured out why that's <laughs> the name. But uh, yeah, I believe that is still uh, under her. Um... Yeah, it's under her control now. Cool. <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> friend. Um. But that humans would have come over to America f- over the Beringian land bridge. I like that. And that perhaps a Gigantopithecus <laughs> could have as well. Hippopotamus came Hippopotamus over. Hippopotamus came over. Do a rap and dance. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I have nothing to add. So Sasquatch Bigfoot, where are we coming down with? What's the point? What's the take-home point we want to make for this episode? The take-home point with Sasquatch Bigfoot in general, this whole thing, that it is, at least in my own opinion to date, one of the most feasible of the as-yet inconclusive cryptid tales. Cool. And again, the idea of going back to the stories, there's so many cool stories about it. Right. And it's still a cool story, regardless of whether it ends up shaking out to be true or not. Exactly. So that makes it pretty fun. I uh, think I'll launch now into my favorite cryptid, which is something that I learned about way back uh, when, when I was... I'm realizing now, I feel like I'd always like grown up knowing this thing. Now that I've looked more into the details about it, I've realized there's a very strict time before which I could not possibly have heard of it. Based on some details, I'll tell you about it. Oh the cryptid is the chupacabras. What? El chupacabras, or the chupacabra, um, the goat sucker. Mm. The name comes from a Puerto Rican comedian and entrepreneur, Silverio Perez. Oh I don't know what being a comedian and entrepreneur consists of. I could have looked it up. It sounded too boring. I did not bother. Um, I consider you a comedian entrepreneur. But I don't have a business. <laughs> and I'm not funny. So it kind of screws up both aspects of that. Well, you got uh, me laughing, and uh, I somehow want to pay you money now. All right, this this might work out for me. Um, so yeah, I I always liked the chupacabra. I thought it was really cool, uh, creepy, and it's one of the more um strange and bizarre type of creatures because it didn't sound anything like any other animal. You know, like you said, Bigfoot. It's a big ape. That's you know something we can kind of relate to yeah, in some sure. way based on what already exists on Earth. Chupacabra <laughs> is not one of those things. So it's something very mm. strange and cool. Um, yeah, it's been blamed for the death tell, of. Wait, tell yeah. me, tell me about it more. Like, pretend I don't know what it is. That's what I'm doing, Wyatt. Oh. <laughs> I'm getting into the details about what it is. I'm tantalized. Uh, uh, it's blamed. I've been blamed for the death of a bunch of livestock animals in the past twenty plus years. 
Uh, the livestock have been found dead with one or more, often specifically three, puncture wounds in the chest, and they're drained of all blood. Gross. Um, people have been finding all these livestock that have had their blood sucked out, apparently, and they have these wounds. Um, and uh, they've been blaming it on this one particular creature, the goat sucker. Um <laughs> Known for it uh, originally starting in Puerto Rico, but also known in Latin America in general, eventually reports spread into the southern U.S. as mm. well. Um, now, what does this thing look like? I described it as being really weird and otherworldly, just mm-hmm. different. Um, it falls into two very specific, very different categories of description. Okay. So the first one, um, it's anywhere between three and five feet tall. It's bipedal. Mm. Uh, it's usually kind of crouching over with its hands in front of it, sort of, sort of kangaroo style. Um, <laughs> Has dark black, uh, dark gray or black eyes that are quote damp and protruding, running up to its temples and spreading to the sides. It's a quote from Madeline uh, Tolentino. So picture, um, picture like you know the the stereotypical alien eyes, um, like you'd see in yes, like indeed. any of the um, cartoon type. Perhaps aliens. we could post a picture with, uh, with. Oh, I got cast. some pictures for you. You're just oh, wait and see. Oh boy, yeah, well, the chupacabra, right? Yes. <laughs> not like last. <laughs> Those time. are for you. Those oh. are not for sharing. Oh, um. Uh, so dark gray or black eyes that are big and 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 bulbous and weird. Also described as having bright red, sometimes glowing eyes. So one of those, maybe you know one of each. I don't know what that actually necessarily entails. Yeah, maybe she was just describing like a video camera recording stuff. <laughs> it's just big. It was it was one round. Yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, also described having spikes all down its back. It has fangs mm. and claws. Um, and then as far as the actual like just overall look of it. Um, either hairless and slimy, or Oof. has or has skin like a dinosaur, um, or completely covered in hair. What? So it's any of those things. Um, Truly and monstrous. And sometimes reported to be uh, capable of flight, or at least capable of jumping real good. Uh, <laughs> certainly capable of swooping, which is something it's reported to do a lot of. So I'm going to refer to that description as Chupacabra 1.0. Okay. That is the main original description of it. And nice. then we have what I call Chupacabra Dog.0, Dog which is the other oh main description. Goodness. Probably the majority of um, eyewitness accounts now fall into this category. Um, it's hairless or with random patches of hair around its body. It's yeah, shaped like a dog. It has small saber teeth, hmm. which are just freaking canines. Um, <laughs> has a long skinny tail and uh, visible ribs. So okay. otherwise, it looks like a some kind of dog. A, yeah, a dog or a coyote that is not having a good day. No, indeed. Um, and that is the second possible description of a chupacabra. So that is what it might look like. One of those two very different sounding things. In either case, it's supposed to suck blood out of livestock. Um, it's now considered to be a legendary creature of Central and South America dating back mm. to ancient times. Really? Um, that yeah. far? I had no idea. Yeah, and I, cause I remember hearing about it at first, like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. Like, I didn't know if it was a recent thing or not. I, I didn't have an idea of the timeline when I first right. heard of it back in the 90s. Right. Um, and then since then, people have kind of said, no, it's a legendary thing. Kind of a similar thing to what happened with, like, the Slender Man, where that was huh. that started on the internet. People were trying to write scary stories, and that's something awful for Just forms. trying to creep each other out. Yeah, and, like, people, like, they were doing a kind of fun, like, writing exercise where people would make uh, post photos that they, right. like, photoshopped, and someone else would come up with a story. Right. And that one just really took off. It's, you can trace it back to the exact moment it started, huh. seeing that it's all definitely fictional. And yet there are still people talking about like all these different stories back in time mass where, hysteria yeah dogs and cats living together um so the same kind of thing happened with the chupacabra people started saying oh you know it could be you know it's been all these reports for years and years of this kind of stuff happening you know any of these different cattle mutilations right. they're all attributed to this monster um some people saying it's possibly the inspiration for the mayan bat god kamasats 
Whoa. Yeah. He lives in Shababa, the underworld. Of course And uh, who's associated with night, death, and sacrifice, which, if you think about Mayan mythology, who mm. isn't associated with at least two of those three things? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, they were gloomy. Yeah. Yeah, they really were. Um, so, yeah, the Mayans had a bat god who was creepy, lived underground. Um, and people are now saying, oh, that could be that could be what Chupacabra is or, mm-hmm. or vice versa. Um but there is an actual like patient zero with this thing. There is an original Ooh. account we can go back to the first person who reported seeing the chupacabra. Okay. Um, the first recorded attacks occurred in March of 1995 in Puerto Rico. Mm. There are eight sheep found dead with what would become the characteristic three puncture wounds in the chest, mm-hmm. and their blood was gone. So it looked like they had had their blood sucked out, and people were like, oh, that sucks. Um, no pun intended, right? Oh, I didn't even think of that. Goddamn. Um, in the second week of August that same year, Madeline Tolentino, I quoted her earlier, mm-hmm. of Canovanas, Puerto Rico, saw a freaky creature um, through her picture window of her house. Mm. Um, this is a, reportedly, she saw this around the same time that about 150 local animals had been found dead. So she didn't specifically see it sucking on a goat, but she did see it um, <laughs> just outside and then... In the pris- uh, proximity of... Goats. Yeah, and in the same kind of part of the island where this happened. Um, I she, see. Yeah, she described the creature as, quote, about four feet, more or less. At the time, it was walking like a human on both legs. Its arms were drawn back in an attack po- uh, position, Ooh. as though it were a TV monster. Oh, Which okay. is a, a good sign for a description of something that you want to believe is real. Uh, yeah, exactly. It looks like a monster from TV. She's like, I felt like I was watching TV, and there was a monster on my TV. But I realized but it, it was, was real. <laughs> it was in my living room. It just happened to be in this box behind yeah, it was some small. Left. It looked to be about four inches tall. <laughs> but she said it had three long, skinny fingers, and then its arms were also very long. Uh, its hair was quote rather short and close to its body, rather well combed. In fact, Jake, your arms are long, your fingers are long, your hair is short and well combed. Oh boy. Um, let's see if this next thing applies. Uh, it has some round things on its torso. And the region seemed ashen, as if something had burned it there. Oof. The burn mark revealed pinkish-purple skin, as if the top layer had fallen off. That still sounds a lot like me, actually, <laughs> the more we get into this. Uh, its legs were very long and skinny, and I could see three separate toes. I even got down on the floor to see if it had genitals. It had nothing at all. It was <sighs> plain and sealed. She got down on the floor? She got down on the floor to look out the window at this thing. It was out outside. What? To see if it had stuff going on downstairs. And, uh... I like um, that she would look for genitals. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested in this account that she gave. She's like, like, I saw this gross thing, and I started to just have certain how feelings. How does it, uh, <laughs> what's it packing? What's it, what's, yeah, exactly, what's it got in store down there? Um, then she also said that it had spikes down its back. Uh, of course. So after she took the time to inspect its undercarriage, um, it then turned around, ran into the road, and jumped off into the tall grass. It's very it polite gone. of it to sort of let her do all this before running off. Yeah. Um, this all happened at one in the afternoon. What? My whole life I went thinking, well, my whole life that I was aware of this thing, I went thinking it was, you know, a nighttime, Born. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Born the, whole, with the, in mind. the whole, all the stories I thought I had heard about it was it like swooping down in the night from the trees, um, and like landing on people's, um, right. porches and stuff. Right. Um, because, but, of course, nighttime, when you're talking about Chupacabra. Yeah, it's always like a nighttime attack. They right. find the dead animals exactly. in the morning and stuff. Exactly. Um, so this happened at one in the afternoon. She gave this report a year after the incident happened. That's strange, too. Or at least the following. It was in, this happened in 95. Does she she reported a, it in 96. Did she give any reason for why it was such a long delay? 
I couldn't find any. It was just that she actually gave I mean, at least the specific re- report that I um, got the quotes from. Maybe mm-hmm. she did mention it at the news beforehand. I think she must have based mm-hmm. on the fact that uh, people started using this description elsewhere. But there were, um, at the time, already descriptions of these different livestock mutilations and people um, people just wondering what was happening. And right. then there was this description of a monster around the same time, and people put the two together, saying, right. okay, this thing must be what's what's killing stuff. And that's a, a strong brew, as you might call it. <laughs> yes. So uh, that was 95, August of 95, she saw that. Okay. Thing. In January of 96, in Miami, the Chupacabra was blamed for the death of a bunch of goats, chickens, geese, and ducks. Mm. 69 in total. Nice. Uh, in a neighborhood that the St. Petersburg Times re- described as, quote... St. Petersburg Times. Is that from America? Is that yeah, that's American down in... Um, in uh, I almost said Australia for some reason. Florida. Um, <laughs> Feels the same distance between here <laughs> yeah. and there, I tell you what. For those of you listening at home, we're in New Hampshire. Yeah, we're up where the fields oh, are green and it's never cold. <laughs> um... Yeah, so the same article reported a goat that had been bled dry in Tampa in March of 96 with um, with this description. For years, this vampire-like predator, with its fangs, red eyes, and spiked back, was known mm. only in Puerto Rico. Legend had it that it prowled the central mountains, gruesomely dispatching goats in a way that no earthly animal could possibly accomplish. Mm. Now, again, first reported description of this thing, August of 95. This article came out in March of 96, Talking about for years, this thing has been happening. Right, it's uh, already... Legend has it that for years, it's been prowling around for a year at this point. For for eight months, in fact, hmm. it had been uh, happening. Right. Um, so already we have the idea that people just like already kind of getting it in their heads that it's been happening forever. Right. Um, so I tried finding really good eyewitness accounts or stories, like, you know, the cool, creepy stories we talk about how much we like. Sure. And I really was finding mostly just like the same account with uh, Madeline Talentino. Um and uh is that her last name i think so um tolentino sorry tolentino um so i was trying to find a creepy story i found some cool ones of, like a guy she's a uh, talentino storyteller <laughs> so the, a couple of different stories of people seeing uh i couldn't find any stories specifically of people seeing it actually sucking on the livestock actually being responsible for the deaths usually it was um the closest i could find was reports of uh livestock dying at the same time as reports of seeing this thing around, just having sightings. So people are just putting that together. I do recall a story of a guy who apparently chased it off his property. He chased one away uh, where he is, I forget exactly how it goes, but he basically goes outside. It was one of the red-eyed versions of the creature. And it either was attacking his goats or on its way to do so, and it was on the rooftop or something like this when he found it. Okay, I and I know I've heard stories like that too. I just couldn't find ones to quote for this. I was bummed because oh, I've heard yeah because th- that sounds pretty familiar. Like the idea of these different things happening. Uh, I saw at least one or two. There were I mean there weren't really full length stories. It was just kind of a little anecdote about a guy going out onto his balcony at night and then looking over and seeing at the far end of the balcony it was just perched on the railing Ooh, watching God. him and. Can you imagine? Yeah. So it's really cool, scary stuff, but then just not enough of it. I was kind of bummed because I, I love the scary part of it. Right, right. Um, so then I did find – this is the closest I found for a, a decent, like, full-on story. This is from Scott Corrales, who has a book entitled Chupacabras and Other Mysteries. Uh, it's from November of 1997. All right. So here's a quote. After a prolonged absence during which it was missed by no one, except for the gargoyle-worshipping cult which frequents the Cabo Rojo lighthouse. Oh, those old, those old dogs. Yeah. 
The Chupacabras left its calling card yesterday morning at the Granja Marina Farm in San Isidro. Can you imagine if it had like a business card? <laughs> just like kind of just, like, just a piece of it's like an tattered. index card with blood all over it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Claw marks and stuff. With and a number and a of hickey, course. probably a hickey. A hickey. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. If if in need of hickeys, please call. <laughs> yeah. Or please just scream at nighttime. <laughs> please be a goat. Carry on. Please be a goat. Uh, police reports said that it killed six goats, two of which were bled dry, and stole a kid, which I saw that at first. I was like, oh, God. Then oh. I was, oh, wait. Goat. Um, the farm's steward, Jess Batado, said that he heard a flutter of wings at around two in the morning and then saw three horses and 58 cows in a fenced-in area running as if the devil were in pursuit. How did he count all those cows that quick? <laughs> I want to believe that he was like... Fifty-eight of the cows are running. This is a bad. Fifty-eight. <laughs> it was only specific number. Only gotten up to like forty-two. It's like ah, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Oh, geez, fifty-eight of them. Yeah. That, that's the threshold when Crossed I get worried. That's the threshold of concern. <laughs> he then heard the goats freaking out, so he made a beeline for the goat pens along with his dog. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another quote that I quite like. We can imagine his bemusement when the dog, a Dalmatian, made a sudden about face and broke into a furious run in the opposite direction, tail between its legs. Oh. Bemusement isn't the, the emotion Bemusement. I would think I would feel if I saw. Yeah. Like if I, was, I heard all this commotion. There's something clearly freaking out. The large livestock. And I hear the goats freaking out. Go to see what's happening. The dog gets scared and runs away. I would uh, not be bemused so much as terrified and deeply concerned. Yes. So at this point, he decided, you know what? This could wait till morning. And went back inside. Bemusement is like when you pour yourself a glass of OJ and a little bit gets on the countertop. And you're like, mm, I got to clean that up. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Darn. He's like, oh, huh, how did that uh, happen? Kind of mm. Yes. Um, but so he decided, like, you know, this is, I'm tired of this shit. I'm going inside. I don't want to deal with this yeah. right now. Mm. Um, which I can't decide if that makes him, like, very savvy as far as, like, if he were in a, if he were in a horror movie, that would be the right thing to do, not right. to get killed. But in Good the instincts. sense that this was real life, it's like his livestock are all getting, clearly there's something in there that's something freaking them out. Something bad is happening. Yeah, something bad's happening. He's like, I'm going inside. I'm, I'm going just, to bed. You know what? Yeah. I'll sleep this one off. So, uh, in the morning, he found um, dead, the dead and wounded goats and discovering that the animals that had been killed had deep puncture marks on the right side of their throats. So, kind of vampirish sounding with yes, uh, indeed. what happened, at least in terms of what people were describing. So, that is the best, like, full-blown story I could find. Um, here is the interesting part about the overall Chupacabra story. It begins to fall apart when you dig deeper. Mm. So, first of all, there are the two wildly different descriptions of the thing. Like I said, there's... The cool um, kangaroo monster thing that can fly or at least jump a lot, mm-hmm. um, swooping down on livestock in Puerto Rico. Sounds like and a dunkaroo to me. Dunkaroo. Oh, my God. I could go for some of those right now. I'll trade you. I have some for my lunch. Ooh. Want my Lunchables? Yeah, I do. Okay. Lunchables or a pudding. The you got pudding yourself part. a goddamn deal. Ooh, see? You are a businessman, entrepreneur. <laughs> okay, carry Anywho, on. The, um, the, so there's the wildly different descriptions, and the change occurred between the 90s and the early 2000s, like the description of the creepy Dunkaroo and the uh, the dog with sickness. Um, if that was the next kind of snack they released, <laughs> you like Dunkaroos? Now try dog with sickness. <laughs> All right. Um, so there's, it's kind of like, you know, even like I read that one news article talking sure. about this thing being a legend already. A mere eight months after it had first been reported. So already you have kind of a game of journalistic telephone going on with just reports of the right. thing. Well and said. it's just changing as it goes. Um, so that's the first point. Second, 
the blood being drained of the, out of the animals. We don't actually have any way of confirming that that actually happened. Hmm. It's just reports saying, hey, the blood was gone from my animal. Um, and Who took all my blood? <laughs> that was my blood. Yeah, I paid for that. And so they, yeah, and that's true of actually any stories you hear about, like, cattle mutilations, any any livestock mutilation stories, they always say, oh, the blood was all gone. Mm. Um, but there's never followed up by a necropsy, which in biology, you know, that's that's like an autopsy, but on exactly. an animal, basically, that isn't a human. Deceased. Um, yeah, something that's dead, and you, uh, you know, open it up and see what's going on inside, see what happened, just as you would after any kind of death for, like, a human. With an autopsy, you, you just see what was going on inside. Exactly. Uh, they did not do necropsies. There were no reported necropsies on any of these dead livestock. Right. Um, <laughs> people just like, oh, it's dead. Throw it. Like, just bury it or whatever. Um, and so there was no way to confirm that the blood was actually gone. Now, one cool thing I have found in um, just general cool biology facts about when stuff decomposes and just stories about this in general, um, time has a big effect on mm-hmm. what happens to your blood once it stops pumping. Certainly. So, say, if you're – especially with the larger animals um, – the blood will kind of just work its way. Like if you say if it's a cow, the cow's big, falls over. It maybe a little while before you find it, even if it's sure. just overnight. And the sure. blood will find time to just kind of percolate down, just through the animal and just all collect down on like at ground level. Um, and depending on how much time actually passes, maggots might be inside, and they eat that too. So there may be actually maggots eating the blood. So we're seeing a cow on its side. And the blood has all pooled on, say it's lying on its right side. All the blood would be down there on the right. So yeah, if we saw so if you're it from poking the left, around at the top, you're not going to see blood up there. We're not going to find any blood whatsoever. Yeah. Now these are smaller animals like goats. It still could happen with that. Chickens and stuff. That's a little bit less clear. But they're, um, I mean, I haven't killed any chickens recently to see how much blood they actually have in them. There's but um, so much blood. So much. <laughs> an impossible amount of blood. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> um. So there, there's no guarantee that these animals were actually drained of all their blood. But the last, the real interesting part of the story that I found so cool, because this, to me, ended up being the biggest kind of letdown in terms of mm. the monster I most wanted to believe in, right. I now absolutely do not believe in. And this is the kind of last nail in the coffin on this particular story. Uh, on July 5th, 1995, the movie Species came out in theaters. Tolentino said that her sighting happened in the first two weeks of August, <laughs> so not long after. And the release date uh, was even later in Puerto Rico than it was in the continental U.S., mm-hmm. so even closer to the time of her sighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, a an author of um, a skeptical journal who uh, really did the legwork, his name is Benjamin Radford. He did the legwork to find out what had really happened with this whole thing. He tracked Tolentino down and talked to her about it and stuff and found out that, yes, in fact, she had seen the movie Species before she had seen the chupacabra outside her window. Oh, my goodness. Which is really cool. So I'm going to show you a pair of pictures and we will post these in the description, and we'll have a link to we'll probably have it on our right. Facebook page. Or whatever. We'll have some links so you can see these two pictures together. So this, she hired an artist to take a picture, or to draw a picture of right. her original description. So this is the... Uh, Careful, it's going to fall Oh, apart. oops. Oh, no. You get, you get, okay, is that go. good? Okay. There we go. So I'm seeing sort of a shaggy, almost a typical gray alien look, but with very horrible features lizard-like hands or sort of like chicken foot-like hands and it's got the spikes it's got the spikes dunkaroo down the thing back happening. the dunkaroof effect is there yeah so let me come over here yes and this picture is a picture of the creature sill from the movie species oh that's extremely similar now the the monster from um from species was designed by a uh, good old disturbed HR, Swiss artist H.R. Uh, Giger, the, the Geek Man, the Geek Man, known for the probably Geekster. most for his work with the Alien franchise, 
and for just generally being a kind of sex nightmare artist. Um, <laughs> exactly. So that, um, so we'll post the pictures. You'll see there are some striking similarities between the description Tolentino offered, the drawing that the artist ended up producing for her, and what Chupacabra is supposed to look like, and what the creature looked like from the movie itself. So it's just looking a lot like she saw something weird outside, and maybe... Her mind took care of the rest. Yeah, and so that's a phenomenon known as pareidolia, which is... um, if like so our brains are hardwired to try and make sense out of nonsense so if you see something that's why you can see like say clouds or you see shapes in the clouds or you can see like just a circle with two dots and a curved line and see a smiley face <laughs> like just you can you can kind of interpret things to be something mm-hmm. that they're not mm-hmm. you can just kind of make a recognizable shape out of some kind of mess and that can also take um shape if you uh see something you can't really understand and you have something in your brain that you can kind of apply to it. Just primed enough to... Exactly. It primes someone to kind of recognize something for something it might not be. And so what probably happened here is she saw this movie, saw a creepy animal, or creepy creature, saw this weird animal outside, didn't know what it was, um, and then kind of got her idea in his head that... uh, This idea in her head, rather, that it was this thing she had seen and kind of Mm -hmm. conflated the descriptions into this one monster once that idea got out there, people started applying, like, oh, this is a monster that has been sighted around here, and it's also this stuff happening to our livestock, and this the monster probably... Contagious thought, kind of. Yeah. And so, probably what was killing the livestock was any number of wild animals could do it. Um, and as sure. far as the wounds on the neck, like, any predatory species will go for the throat to right. kill a thing. Um, if you've ever had um, any kind of, like, livestock, like chickens in particular, if you have chickens in your backyard... You will find that raccoons are the friggin' worst. They will come and kill all your chickens, but not eat them. They'll just leave them there dead. Just for it's really strange. Sport. It's yeah. So there are animals that'll do that because people will say, "Oh, well, you know, the animals were dead, but they weren't eaten, and the blood mm. was gone." So clearly, the thing wasn't trying to eat the animals; it was just trying to. It just wanted the blood. Yeah, but that can happen with um, with just like normal animals you find around. Right. And then the reported sightings then after that of these hairless dog creatures. It's probably just dogs or coyotes or foxes with mange. Sure. Mange is a skin parasite disease um, that causes the hair to fall off, and um, it can really affect behavior too. You find things that are, they kind of start to starve. They'll come out in daytime or, or just come out at weird times when they normally wouldn't if they're normally nocturnal and to come out in the daytime. Their behavior undoubtedly is strange as well. Yeah, they just start acting strange, and they will get more and more desperate food-wise um, just trying to get nourishment, um, and they make kill things and then not eat them all or might not be able to eat them they may not be able to keep it down um and so you could definitely find this kind of stuff happening people a lot of believers want to say oh well this these descriptions of yeah these dog a dog with mange can't fully describe all this stuff kind of can though kind of can um it doesn't describe the sightings of you know the i'm gonna keep calling it a dunkaroo now it doesn't describe the idea of (laughs) that of the puerto rican version of the chupacabra it doesn't describe that but probably the movie aspect does yes indeed. so that is a way that yeah stories can kind of get out of uh out of hand and become their own sort of living thing which is pretty cool very um, so, very much so yeah and i feel like too it it uh speaks to the quality of certain things that are always ongoing but you only start to notice them once you've been told that you can or should and by that i'm referring to the rash of livestock deaths which seem to offer such corroboration for something weird is going on all of a sudden everyone seems to be finding their livestock has been you know 
killed by some vampire but much to the same ends that you're saying now it seems like that's probably something that would be going on all the time you know what farmer isn't always losing chicken to a fox or something to this effect but once you have a spooky story by which to contextualize your experience and this is one of the calling cards (laughs) (laughs) one of the blood-soaked calling cards of some sort of monster suddenly this everyday event unfortunate as it may be from the farmer and the livestock's perspective you have a new label for you have a a new new label a new straw man maybe just some kind of new thing to blame um we'll probably dig more into cattle death stuff when we get into ufo things later on too because there's a bit more to that that can also um can also contribute to some of the reported stuff people have seen but we'll get there later yeah we'll take another chunk out of that story we might slice off another piece. <laughs> we might suck the blood out of that <laughs> cow. Mm. Mm. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that was some spooky stuff. Some uh, some creepies and some crawlies. And that is the uh, end of our first episode. Yes, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh, catch us catch us next spooky time, <laughs> same <laughs> <Yes>. spooky place. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you'll come back again for some more Super Duperstitious. Yes, indeed, in weeks to come. And, uh, yeah, signing off, this is Wyatt. This is Jake. And uh, see you guys next time. Bye. (laughs) 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 The last thing you do be to just smack the microphone. Spike the mic. Spike the mic. Spike the mic. All right, I'm going to stop.